Hey friends, Mike Myers here with the Songwriting for Guitar podcast, episode number 57, Megan Barker. Let me ask you, are you a songwriter trying to figure things out on your own? Are you trying to solve the songwriting equation? Are you banging your head against the wall over and over and over and over again? Not to get a concussion, but to arrange the all those ideas that you have in your head into a song, a song that makes sense, a song that has great structure, a song that can actually make moves, a song that can actually make you money, lead you into that direction that you know is possible but you want to get there and you're just not sure how. What you need, my friend, is a coach. And guess what? We all need coaches. I still have a songwriting coach. Why? Because I know how important it is if I'm going to progress. Because progression doesn't end. There's no point where we know all of it. We just need someone to help us get to that next level. And that's probably where you're at right now. You're at those crossroads where you have to decide, are you going to try to do this on your own? Are you going to learn from others? So what I want you to do Go to songwritingforguitar.com and then click on the coaching and courses section so you can see what we offer and book your first session with either me, Heather Evans. Guess what? We can help you get to the next level because we have done some stuff with songwriting and we can help you along the way. So remember, go to songwritingforguitar.com and then click on the courses and coaching section because you don't have to do this alone. Now, I've known Megan for quite a while. She's an accomplished singer-songwriter. Her parents did music professionally for a living. It's almost like it's in her DNA, in her blood. But she explains her journey of like performing at such a young age as a teenager on the Las Vegas Strip, doing cover shows constantly, eventually pivoting and traveling back and forth from Nashville, where she was born, but coming back. What was that like? We're going to dig into all of this. It's such a fascinating story. Story. This is a must listen, especially if you're in that position where you're like, should I be moving to a music city? What should I be doing? How should I be making connections? Megan does it so well, and this is something you're going to learn so much from. So let's jump into it. Episode number 57, Megan Barker. Megan, what's up? How, How you are doing? You? I am. I'm doing awesome. I'm, I'm glad that we can talk again because I was on your podcast. And I remember we were just yes. chatting away, but the tables have turned. The tables, the have, tables turned. Have, have turned. The tables have turned. Yes, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, you should go check out the podcast that I did with him or you did with me, whatever, uh, because it is just chock full of, of great nuggets of musical knowledge and wisdom. But I'm pumped to talk about like your story, your background, and you know all the things that you're doing with music because there are those that seek music as a hobby and there are those that really just go after and you know i don't want to say the grind because that's such a negative context but they just figure out like okay they keep on moving forward with music in different realms no matter what and figure it out but i would love to know when did you get into the process of songwriting and the idea of songwriting well first i appreciate you like equating me with the grind because i it is a grind and i appreciate <laughs> and anyone who sees you know that it is a grind and we do work yeah. hard I was around music my whole life. My dad was a songwriter. My mom uh, was in country music and sang backgrounds on tour. And so I kind of grew up around it. I was born in Nashville, lived here till I was nine or 10. And then my parents got divorced and I went to Vegas and did some growing up there and started playing on the strip as a teenager and uh, kind of cut my teeth doing that, all that crazy stuff. So, I mean, I remember writing songs as a kid, but it wasn't until I was like 13 and 
14 and I discovered John Mayer. Uh, that's kind of when everything was unlocked. Now, your mom was a background singer. Like, who, yeah. who did she sing for? I'm just kind of curious. Little Jimmy was is one of them. Uh, there's 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 all kinds of crazy stories. We should have her on her own podcast because <laughs> her and my dad had some really cool stories. But like Freddie Hart, um, she did some really cool stuff like that. So you you were in Nashville for a while. I, I imagine Las Vegas, like doing that whole circuit, that has to be crazy wild yeah i spent a lot of my teen years uh, doing some really cool stuff but my mom had to go with me uh bless her heart we have some we have some fun stories but yeah there were a lot of uh, gigs where i had security like 10 feet away and because uh, people are crazy but um but it was fun i mean i i can't think of a better way to cut your teeth as an entertainer than playing on the strip in Vegas as a teenager. <laughs> what is that like? What is it what is it like playing on the strip as a teenager too to be in the city that like they're like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, so as a teenager, I, 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 I really wanted to just do all original music for a long time, and that's just not feasible. Uh, but I really stuck to my guns for a long time. Like, I was I was an original artist. I was going to play original music, and I would play, like, four hours of original music, like, with no repeats, no covers, nothing. And, you know, I think finally when I was, like, 19 or 20, I was like, you got to do some covers. Like, you want to make any money? You want to do this? So uh, it was crazy. I mean, the, Las Vegas is just like any other city. They're suburbs. And um, I remember when I was a kid, people out of town would ask me, like, well, what casino do you live at? And I was like, I don't actually live in a hotel. Um, I live in a house or an apartment. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just like any other. There, There's, like, a few booking agencies around town that are, yeah. like, small and, and do little gigs. And so I've kind of managed – you know, to, to work my way into some of those and they would book me. But mostly I, I just would have always been a hustler. So I would just stay up late and send emails and, and play wherever I could. And I did a lot of coffee shops and bookshops and, you know, stuff like that. When you're Shit, that's work out. ethic for a teenager to be like, let me book my own. Because I think it's one thing because I think people think or at least for me, when I was a teenager, it was like me just slightly playing in my room. being Yeah. But the idea of going out and being like, OK, dear sir, madam, <laughs> and start booking. That's actually pretty punk rock, actually. Just that DIY ethic of doing it yourself and trying to get those gigs. But even coming to the realization, oh, shit, if I want to make some money, I'm going to have to pivot yeah. and do some of that. Because some people are very resistant. Like, they're like, no, no I coverage. <laughs> I am just like, no. That's a sense of maturity, too, of just like, oh, listen, if I'm going to make some money, I'm going to have to do this. Well, I think at that point it was between that and getting a real job and that was not going to happen. I mean, I have had real jobs like yeah. periodically, little stints here and there just to remind myself of why why I was doing music. But I mean, I think a lot of people, you probably spent your teen years. I spent the first few of teen years like uh, in high school, like just quarantined basically away from my fellow people and just playing guitar and listening to John Mayer records and doing all that. So finally, I just wanted to get out on the scene. But a lot of people spend even more time in their room and, and get I kind of wish I had spent a lot of time like learning Logic or GarageBand and like becoming a producer, but instead I was doing like the live music chops. So I feel like it's a trade-off. You just kind of pick what you want to focus on. There is something to be said about experience like playing a song live. You know, you yeah. have the luxury when you're in the studio to just be like, ah, let's just do it again. Ah, right? that was the thing. But the idea of like covering up when you're like, whoop, that was not supposed to be the thing right. that I play. But you just keep on like, you either can do one of two things. You could do the thing that sometimes I cringe when I see people go like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then right? they stop and I'm like, why are you sorry? 
just Nobody keep on knew. just keep on going and then yeah. or you pivot and you were like oh how can i play to and just keep on going yeah and then if it was like that embarrassing people know just joke about it just talk about it. acknowledge it and don't act like uh hi i'm so glad you're here tonight like that <laughs> soft like you know those weird awkward things when you see somebody yes. playing they're like this next song is very personal for me. And you're just like, oh, God, you're a snoozer. Energy is is everything. Absolutely. One of my favorite things to this day is when you're like playing a live show and, and somebody I do a lot of cover gigs still to this yeah. day. And when somebody somebody throws out a, a cover that's like you never played it, you don't know it, but you know it well enough that you can fake it and like pulling up the lyrics and figuring out really quick and doing it. And it works like I feel like. Half the time it doesn't work and it's a disaster and half the time it's perfect and everyone's like, you're amazing. You've never played that before. And it's like a rush. What's interesting, too, to me, when you're doing when you're going through cover songs and regardless of that, it's song analysis still because you're going through like the structure of the melody, the progression. You're not only performing it, but you're consuming it. Like and that yeah. flows out into your writing when people are like, oh, I want to write like so and so. If you've learned like twelve songs by so and so, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I know, I know what needs to happen to move it in that direction. Hundred percent, absolutely. So I think it's a lot of good songwriting inspiration too. So absolutely, if if anybody watching this thinks you need some songwriting inspiration, go go play some cover gigs because you'll get <laughs> all kinds of great song ideas, melody ideas, whatever. Now, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, oh. It just, it seems so daunting and it seems so intimidating. It seems like that's a completely different realm. How would you say to approach the idea of doing like one of your first gigs or just like a, try, trying to get move into that direction? Because that seems like, what do you do? Oh, you can speak to a lot of this because I mean, I've, you know, I've done live music for so long and I love it, but I've never done like full on tours and I want to. So yeah. you could totally speak to taking a show and taking it on the road. I'd love to I'd love to get tips on that because that's difficult. But I mean, I started I started small. I think that's what I did. I, yeah. I started out at, at open mics and then met people there and they were doing little showcases at different bars and stuff. And it just kind of escalates from there. And they'll find your local festivals. Like there was a first Friday festival in Vegas that I would play all the time. And it was the first Friday of every Vegas. And it was like all kinds of bands and artists and just get involved with your community. Just like Nashville, right? It's like anything. Nobody does anything alone. So just get out and meet people. Would you agree that that's kind of just... I, I absolutely agree because what you're saying right there is like, think within your community where you are right at first because sometimes the whole thing can seem overwhelming and just like, oh yeah. okay, there's so many. But if you, okay, let me just start where I am at right now and I'll just go to a couple events yeah. and just network. Sometimes it's like you can even just go and watch. Just oh, see yeah. if it's like some place you would want to be at. Like, don't put that pressure on yourself right away to be like, okay, I've got to do something. But just be like, okay, I vibe with this. Next yeah. time I'm going to come back and I'm going to try. Absolutely. Baby steps. Just get your feet wet. And I've, I've done that. I, I definitely have social anxiety, all the things. I would just like go. Because you don't even know what to expect at some of these things. You don't know what the parking is. And that stresses me <laughs> out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to get there. The other day I had a hair appointment somewhere and I had never been there. And I got lost. It was stressing me out. So I totally get it. So baby steps. Just like show up, check it out. Next time, say hi to someone. Next time, ask who the booker is. Next, yeah. you know, then you'll play. Like, it's easy. You can do it. Oh, my Lord. When you talked about parking, I was like, that's the number one thing that stresses number me one out. <laughs> I hate that. Whenever it's somewhere new, I'm like Google Maps. I'm like, can I see an aerial view of this? And just like yes. zoom and get an idea of like what the parking situation is and then be like, okay, 
Cool. Yeah. Because then the next time I get cocky, I'm like, I know where this is. I know what needs to happen. But it is. Parking right? is it's a terrible, terrible stress. Now, all gigs aside, you were in Las Vegas for a while. And so you, that you knew that entire that entire scene of like you've you built a formula. What was it like when you came back to Nashville? Is it like starting again from the ground up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I I was in Nashville from like birth to like nine or 10. And yeah. then I was in Vegas, you know, my all of my teen years and my early, early 20s. And so Nashville was home in a way. But like Vegas, I, I grew up in Vegas. Like I learned to drive in Vegas. I went to high school in Vegas. Mm-hmm. So um, I had spent all these years building, you know, building something um, kind of a name, I guess. But yeah, coming to Nashville was was absolute ground zero. I mean, it started out, I, I came back and forth for like a year. I had an apartment here with like four other roommates that I never saw. So I would I would be in Vegas for three or four weeks and just work like crazy and make a ton of money uh, to be able to afford some kind of life there and pay rent here. Um, anyway, so I'd come back and forth here once a month for like a week or 10 days and, and just grind it out. And it was exhausting. Um, that's what you do then, you know, in that era. So I did that for a couple years, really. And then I finally, um, the stars kind of aligned and I was able to bring my family with me to Nashville because yeah. that was kind of what was holding me back. It's what holds a lot of people back is leaving your life in one city and starting over in another. So I was very lucky that I was able to bring my family with me at one point. But totally, totally just, just starting over when you get here. Once people know you're here, maybe you can speak to this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, a diff- it's a different animal. You know, it really is. For a long time, I had people tell me, well, you have to be in Nashville. When are you moving to Nashville? And I was like, do I have to? Like, can I have my cake and eat it too? And it just depends, I think, on the kind of career you want. Like, I want to be a mainstream artist. I want to hear my songs on country radio. So, yeah, I had to be here. Your story might be different. Somebody else's story might be different. So, um, but it was, you know, it was totally, totally worth it. Things just immediately started um, getting easier and harder at the same time. (laughs) Well, talk about the idea of going back as you said going back and forth for years like you know making sure that you had enough to live in the city you were in but also making money to then rent a place in a city that you visit yeah shit it's it, but I, it's I funny wrinkles <laughs> <laughs> well i think it's you know how many people are like i want to do the thing and it's like okay are you willing to do this I'll do anything, but not that, you know, it's just like, they want, they want all the accolades they want all the rewards. They want everything, but it's like, okay, are you okay that it may look like this for a little bit as you kind of like, because obviously that back and forth, you're networking, you're meeting people, you're starting to build. It's like the visits, the visits where you start to know people, talk to people, and then you go back and you're like, Hey, I'll be back in four weeks. And then you come back four weeks later and then you do it again and you do it again. But to do that, for a couple of years. Yeah. That's commitment. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you can't take an online class for and be like, oh, I got, I bought this online class and I got commitment. It's just like, you can't learn. It's just like, you really, really have to do the thing. And that's why if it looks like this, are you okay with that? Yeah. Well, you know, you, I mean, you came back and forth. I know, but that's like, but it's just like, to hear another story like that, it's like, that's what's so exciting about when it's like, oh, you really do want to do this because you make it work. 
it's like you MacGyver the shit out of anything you need yes. to do where it's just like, cool, how am I going to get here? Uh, I'm going to use this, this, this. I mean, hopefully people still remember MacGyver. Otherwise, that that reference. I do. Yeah. No. And I always think of like the SNL 10 seconds MacGruber. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. it's just like, Vicky, yeah. give me that. Give me that. But it's true. <laughs> it's like, if you want to do it, you figure out a way. Because either Amen. the answer is like, no, I'm not going to do it. Or it's just like, yeah, if I don't do it, it's going to bother the hell out of me. So I'm going to instead try to figure out a way to make it work. And yeah. then I'll go from there. And if I have to fix it, then I'll do it. And to me, that's what you did. You did the back and forth before you were able to be like, OK, now I can make the move. I think beautiful things come out of having to force yourself out of your comfort zone. I mean, I've never been comfortable. So I just I guess I'm always out of my comfort zone. <laughs> but, um, you know, like I've always had to do everything myself. I never really felt comfortable. Maybe it's a control freak thing, but I've never, you know, like had anybody else do my website or my social media yeah. or, you know, like edit edit videos, really like stuff like that. I mean, I feel like I always just I didn't do everything 100 percent, but I would figure out how to make it decent enough. My website was decent enough. My social media was decent enough, you know, so it's probably a little bit of a control freak thing too. just you know, trying to figure out how to control everything. <laughs> but it, once you got here, it seemed like all that prep work helped because then it was just a lot smoother to walk through and be like, hi, nice to meet you. And it's like, oh, yeah, I've heard about you. And then just saying, well, I'm here. Like now I live Absolutely. here. Yeah. It's so you want to do lunch next week? I'll be here. We could do that. Yeah. And it, and you probably experienced it so much easier when somebody has to change on you when you visit here and they're like, hey, can we just do next week? And you're like, yeah, about that. Don't live here yet. So I'll see you when I get back. But now it's just like, yeah, next week's fine. No big Absolutely. deal. It's just different. It's just different. And, and you can't like you said, like you can't really take an online course that explains the, the night and day differences of just being here versus visiting. But it really is. But I mean, again, it does work for some people. I don't want people to watch this and get like down like, oh, I have to move to Nashville. It just depends what your ultimate goal is. I think it's the goal. You have to think about that. And sometimes it's yeah. like when people say, I want to do music for a living. It's like, that's great. Which part? Because yeah. there's so much. Right. But it's like you got specific. And I think that's the... That's the beauty of it. Regardless of what you want to do, maybe you need to live in a music city. Maybe you don't. It's just, yeah. what do you specifically want to do and then go to others that are doing it? Like, you know, obviously your parents were both in music. Were they a big influence in getting, you know, especially the performance aspect and the the writing element? Yeah. And, and just to piggyback off what you're saying, I, I could have made a living in Vegas doing music for the rest of my life uh, yeah. easily. But, you know, that, that wasn't what I wanted to do. But you can anywhere. If you're anywhere and you want to play music for a living, you can probably do it. But yeah, I mean, I grew up around music. Uh, my parents never pushed me into it. In fact, I think if you grow up around music, they probably push you the other way because <laughs> it's just it's hard creatively, yeah. financially, like emotionally. It's just difficult. But, you know, and, and I I wrote songs when I was a kid I love music I always loved music even when I was like a tiny little kid um I used to ask my dad if I could go to the studio with him and I would like get a yoohoo and a grilled cheese from the corner gas station and like just sit and watch the musicians I loved it um I didn't know it's what I wanted to do until I discovered John Mayer that was like the the unlock thing that happened my brain just like went whoa this is really cool so yeah I mean my my parents were super supportive when they realized that I had the bug but they never pushed it on me but um yeah I mean my my dad was just such a great songwriter truly you know he wrote songs until the day he died and um I wish I had more time with him I mean I had lots of time but it's never enough but yeah. just I feel like I was just coming into my 
my Nashville songwriter when he died. Like I had been writing by myself for so long and I hadn't even really started co-writing when he died. So um, now that I'm, well, it's like I wrote by myself for a really long time and that's great. But once I got here, you start writing to hooks and I started having hook ideas, which is like what his strength was. Like I have these like turn of phrase and clever little things and I didn't have that when he was alive. So like now I look at his writing and I'm like, ah, there's so many things I wish I could ask him now that I understand him more if that makes sense so my dad was a huge influence on me as a songwriter and my mom was just she's just an incredible singer and an incredible entertainer um she was just in tons of bands bluegrass bands she's just a great musician and um and she did the grind and so they they definitely influenced me and I wouldn't I wouldn't know shit if it weren't for my parents honestly I'm very lucky it's like you got the best of both of them it's out like it's just yeah. you know the performance bug but also the hooks and that is just to have those two be there and like share yeah. but not push but that's i think that's what makes it even better it was just there and you were naturally drawn to it and it's just yeah. like it's interesting how we can remember certain points where it was like music just captured us, like regardless yeah. if it was a performance aspect, whether it was you hear a record and then suddenly your mind is just blown and you're like, yes. whatever that is, I just, that is the thing I need to do. Yeah. And I've wondered before, like, is it, is it really something you're born with? Because both my parents were musical. So like, is it actually like in my DNA or did I just grow up around it that it's just in my, in my upbringing, in my brain? But, uh, Whatever it is, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm curious. So you mentioned that, okay, so you did not do co-writing a lot. Early on, yeah. Now, obviously, when you come to Nashville, it's just like, it's just like everybody's co-writing with everyone. It's just like right. four people here, four people there. I'm doing five today. I'm doing six. Let's Instagram. The, like, when did you realize, like, okay, I think I need to start doing this. I like to think it's it's there's nothing wrong with writing songs by yourself. That in itself no. is a thing. But co-writing is just like that's a whole other just different it's just a different avenue. I think it's apples and oranges. I think it's two different worlds really. Like the John I was going to do a fruit analogy you know? too. I was going to yes! say that and I was like, "Oh, I don't want to say." It. And then you did. I was like, "Ha, oh, okay, you took it. Cause, awesome." Cuz it is. It is. It's two totally different things. Yeah. I still try to write by myself. I think um I mean, I'm sure that you talk about this in your yeah. your classes. Like, I think it's really important to always flex that muscle. Yeah. You know, if, if you can write by yourself and that's a gift, do it. And I, just different things come out with different people. It's I realized really quickly. I realized really quickly on the business side that like, wow, all of the songs on the charts are co-written. I'm going to have to uh, jump into this pool and figure it out. And honestly, like the, the first like intro I had to that was, was through Songtown, which I've talked a lot about because when I first got here, that's how I met co-writers. I, I was trying to go out to open mics or whatever and meet people, but um, I met a lot of people through Songtown events. Super grateful for um, things like that. There's so many great little societies you can join. But yeah, I'm just, just I just kind of learned, I think, by, what do they say? Like trial by fire or what's the expression? Trial by error is just like, it's just like, yeah, it's just like, yeah. it's just more or less jump in and do the thing and figure it out. That is literally how I live my life. Like I will literally jump and figure it out on the way down. And that's what I did. And I think co-writing is just so important, not just for the creative aspect. I think it is because like different things come out with different people and you, you realize how to be a good co-writer. Like sometimes I'm the lyricist, sometimes I'm the melody person, sometimes I'm neither. And I'm just kind of like in between these two people over here. Like you just kind of realize how to be whatever the song needs and just to get out of the way but also like 
opportunities come from your co-writers. Like the more people you have excited about a song, the more opportunity for life it has, you know? I think that's the thing that's great about co-writing is you have more champions of the song. Yeah. So like when you have two or three and you all have a vested stake into that song and that partnership, yeah, it's not just you lifting the song up, but you're all kind of like, you all want the song to do really well. Yeah. And like when one person makes a connection, you all make a connection because it's kind of a team and it's not like, yeah, it's not just like, well, this is my connection. I'm not going to share it. <laughs> like, it's just ugh. like, this is mine and I made it and this is my, and it's just like, oh, but it's like a good partnership is just like, oh shit, you're never going to believe who I met. So-and-so. So when we do this, I'm, I really want to introduce you to so-and-so because they see the benefit of lifting everyone up. And also that's a healthy view of music that it's not just like this, like, Amen. Uh, I don't know, just like this, you know, scarcity mindset that's just like... I yeah, I've never been like that. I've never understood. It's happened to me so many times where somebody was obviously like being stingy with like a little tiny piece of information. Like I, I never go up to people and ask for someone's email or phone number. I never want to like do anything like that. But but there's just been so many instances where people are like really, really like, oh, that's my contact. Like, or, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh my gosh, like we're all going to get so much farther if we just chill out and help each other. I can't tell you how many times I've connected somebody with someone and I don't know if anything happened. I hope it did. I hope something fruitful came out of it because this doesn't take anything away from me. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think maybe I'm going off on a tangent. No, but you're like right. Because that's the, I think those are the things that annoy me. Because when people go, there's a problem with music. And I don't think it's an opportunity problem. I think it's like a mindset problem. It's just like people are worried that they're going. Number one, they're afraid that they're going to miss opportunities, which is more of an insecurity. Yeah. You're not. It's just like if you're nice if you keep on working at your craft, you go to others that are doing good things and you learn from them, you keep on yeah. applying it, you'll be absolutely fine. Right. But also, too, it's just like the music isn't a knife fight. It's not, you know, where it's like one person guarding the top because there is no fucking top. This is it. This is just like it's just going up just a little <laughs> bit. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. I now I'm getting fired up where I'm just like, God, it's Woo! not because it's just like, it's just you gradually move a little bit further up the hill, but there's no top. There's just a little bit, you just climb a little bit more and more. And either you can, I don't know, what do people do when they're mountain climbing? They have like the rope. It's like, you can help others. No it's like, I'm, we're not cut, I'm not going to cut the rope and be like, ha sucker. It's just, it's right. just seems ridiculous. Yeah. And my mom growing up would tell me that, and I didn't know what it meant when I was young. And now I, I think about it all the time. I'm, I'm sure you have heard this too, but like you see the same people when you're climbing up the ladder as you do when you're coming back down, you know, be kind to everyone. If only for karma's sake, if that's the only thing, you know, just be good to people. I mean, but honestly, like I can't tell you how many times I met someone who was had just moved. There's so many people that played Jammin' and Jammies in yeah. 2018 that are blowing up right now. I mean, like Priscilla Block, Tierra, Tennille Arts, uh, all the people from 615 House. Like, you just never know when people are going to blow up. Um, but I think you should be good to people just because. But also, you never know. You're gonna you're gonna all cross paths again. It's true. It's it's not because you're gonna. It's just you're gonna bump into them. And it's more or less if they see you and they say your name, are they going to be like, let me tell you. And suddenly right. like start right. or just like, oh, they were so nice. They're yeah. great. And also, too, it's so important to remember it took me time. But like I've had song 
I've had songs stolen. I've had, you know, people try to rip off things I was I was doing. And it was upsetting at first because you're like, this, that was my idea. Well, you know, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day because no one's going to do it like you did. No one's going to write the song or do whatever it was like you. So, it, you know, I've lost some sleep over stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like, there's only one of me. <laughs> you know what's meant to be will be but what i like about that that's like another form of maturity like before when you realize like oh i should start playing covers that was a form of just like i have to pivot a little bit but that to me that what you just mentioned is a form of i don't know just a confidence in self but also knowing that you're not limited in ideas it's not like they stole the last idea from your brain and that's right. it. That is the last song that you because then again, that's showing also a little bit of their insecurity. That they they're worried that they can't come up with anything that they are lacking in the idea department. And that is the only song that's going to make it. And plus, if you have a healthy view of music, you realize like one song's one song. You need to have a lot more than just one. You got to have a couple. Exactly. How are they going to back that up? You know, well, they're going to come to your show and steal from you again. But that's okay because I am an endless vat of ideas and it's okay. Now, I'm curious, like from what you're describing, it's a very healthy mindset. Was there a point when you realized, like you said before, like, you know, I've lost some sleep. What was the pivot eventually where you realize if I'm going to do this, like I have to start Cause that's a, that's a mindset thing. And to me, that's like mindsets are like these gradual shifts and these changes. It's tough. I think a lot of it's just growing up. You know, I was actually, I was having breakfast with someone this morning and talking a little bit about how like the last couple of years, a lot of good has come out of it. Um, Cause we had time to reflect, you know, right before COVID, I had a lot going on. I like, had a lot of great meetings and, you know, I really thought I was like this close to some cool things and then nothing. And I, I remember feeling burnout because I was like writing every day. I was having meetings. I was playing like six nights a week just to make ends meet. I was burnout and I really wasn't enjoying music like I was. Like I was driving home in dead silence because I was just musicked out. Do you know what I mean? I've done that before where it was like I was burnt and I was just like, I want to listen to nothing because nothing, nothing was golden. It's bad. And it's, uh, to a degree, that's normal because you yeah. write songs, you play gigs. But I, I was pretty fried and I was kind of confused and, and wondering what, what it was all about and all this stuff. And then I had a lot of time over COVID to miss it, you know, and, and miss playing gigs and miss songwriting. Although I did tons of writing over COVID. But anyway, my point was, I think I was sitting in a lot of meetings smelling desperate. I really do. Uh, and they could just smell it on me, like how bad I wanted to sign a, a piece of paper. And now, like, I, and I don't, I don't have a publishing deal. I don't have a record deal, and I've, I still want those things, and I'm pursuing it. But it's more of like maturity, or maybe I'm just, I don't know. It's just like the law of attraction kind of thing. It's like, it's, you know, great things are happening, and when the right opportunity comes, it's going to be great. But I think, I think I was just really burnt out. Um, long story long, and and just having a couple years of missing it really helped me put things in perspective of like, okay you don't have to do this. You don't have to do music. You, and I never wanted to quit or anything, but it was like, it's a gift. It's I'm, I'm blessed to be able to live in this city and do music every day and have these opportunities. And I just tried to start slowly looking at things from a more positive angle. Cause I was kind of feeling a little, a little grumpy right before COVID, you know, I was tired. Well, I think it, it's also, it allowed you to kind of like s stop because you needed also that period to just I think when people think music, the grind is like, yes, 
But there are points where it's also you have to take care of yourself because if, you know, music's a long-term thing and if this is going to be a continuous thing, you better, you know, make sure that you're pacing yourself and you're being like, hey, can you keep up with this pace if you had to do it for the next, you know, let's say next three years? Are you okay with that? The answer is no. What needs to change? Is it something in your schedule or is it just like we need to rethink things and that's okay? But, you know... I, uh, I've definitely burned myself out where I was just like, I just want silence I'm right sure. now on this, yeah. this drive. And I think when you say the grind to people, some people don't really understand what that means. You know, so I feel like we should make a chart of like everything that you have to consider every day when you're chasing music as an artist, as a songwriter, like whatever. But like, yeah. you know, the, pe- the people that you're writing with, like. Are you good at writing with them? Do they have connections? Like, uh, you know, have you been following up with the people you met with? Did you send them the right songs? Are these demos good enough? Wow, I don't have enough money for demos next month. You know, how am I going to pay my rent? Um, when's the last time I fed my cat? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just like a lot. I think that's what the grind means. I was just thinking, like, what is the grind? It just means you're burning the candle. There's so many moving elements of music. It's not yes. just one thing. There's so many different parts and aspects. It's like you have a small business that is literally what music is especially when you're making money from this you have to treat it like a business and i don't mean in the cold-hearted sense it's just like you have to be just as responsible as you would be if you had a little tiny shop that people were coming into because when you're doing that that matters regardless if you're writing songs and you're selling them if you're doing productions or if you're regardless of what it is it is a small business so that means keeping it organized and yeah you know, whatever that means. If you're a planner, write it down. Right. I mean, good Lord, write it down. You wouldn't do that if you wouldn't do your bookkeeping in your small business being like, ah, yeah, you made, oh, I got it in my head. Hold on, hold on. You may, <laughs> right. you wouldn't do that, but it's right. so write it down. Write it down for yourself. If you've got meetings, write them down. Write them down because guess what? You'll remember them. You'll show up. You'll be early to them. You'll be, and they'll be like, oh, so you don't have to worry. You, you know, you got to wow them because you showed up like five minutes early and they were like, oh. I appreciate that. You yeah. were punctual because I realized that was another thing. When I realized my time was valuable, I was conscious of everyone else's time. And suddenly it was like, yes. oh, and the more I did that, the more I got people being like, thank you. That was right? so, that was awesome because that's how you continue relationships and that's how you don't burn bridges by being like you know the person that's late all the time oh I don't yeah wanna... don't get me started oh my gosh you can you can it's just like no. you know what's your view about people that just because to me it's like what's one thing and one skill that you don't need to go and you you know have to take an online class or do this or buy an expensive guitar or do this you can literally just respect someone's time exactly it you know <laughs> It's like you said, it's respecting your own time. And at a certain point when people move here, I think they realize after a couple of years of writing three times a day or whatever it is, all these crazy things that we do when we first get here and you start realizing that your time is valuable and you have to pick and choose because it's a small business. You have to pick and choose what you're going to put your, your energy and efforts into. And then you realize, oh, this person is taking time out of their day to have lunch with me or to have yeah. me pencil me in in their office and like I can see on their calendar that they have a lot of people so they must like me they must want to hear what I have to say I'm going to take advantage of the opportunity and respect their time and it's just it's just about respect I just reiterated what you said (laughs) but I think what you said too I remember you're just reminding me I feel like when I came here a lot that's all I did I think it was it was more food meetings than like writing like I'd be like let's get coffee let's get lunch I'll have a lunch number two let's go and let's let's because 
that is just as important, just like sharing a meal with someone and talking, because again, it's still their time, their time. And it's respecting each other. Your time is just as valuable as theirs and treat their time just like your time. Don't waste it, but like be conscious of it, acknowledge it, yeah. be kind, follow up. Yeah. <sighs> I yeah. love all yeah. this. So now as things are picking up in the world, I think the world's opening up. I say that sometimes because I'm like, it's open. Knock on wood. So as things are opening up, what are your plans as you're moving forward? Because you've got so many good goals and you have a podcast, you do live gigs. Like, how are you starting to propel into like this next season? Oh, gosh, it's a whirlwind. Um, you know, I have I had a live show before COVID called Jammin' and Jammies. It's a live show that happens every week with hit songwriters and rising artists in pajamas. We brought it back for a minute last year and then Delta smacked us in the face. Uh, so we shut down for a few months again because our venue shut down and then they closed permanently. Um, so the la we were working on some some other things last year and, and we're just we're just trying some new things. So we're trying to bring Jammin' and Jammies back. Um, circle back to me on that. I should have some information soon. But uh, but we became a podcast. So if you like podcasts and you like this kind of stuff, um, I sit down with industry people and, and try to ask questions that we wanted to know when we first started. You know, like there weren't podcasts as they weren't as prevalent five years ago or whatever. Podcasts, logic, everything has changed in the last five years that I'm like, if you want to, there's so many resources. So many. There's it's just... So crazy so um i love the opportunity to sit down with like industry people mm -hmm. like hit songwriters whatever it is and just ask them how how do we do this and how can we help the next the next people in line anyway i'm a talker um shows that's why um, you're here I've, that's great I've got, i'm a talker it would have been terrible if you weren't a talker because i would have been like hey yeah hey. and you would have been like that's a good idea mine and i don't yes <laughs> love that Yes, thank because you. That's what I like about your um, podcast too. It's a conversation, and I like podcasts that are like that, where it's it's so informative, but it's also it you're very good at just conducting it as a conversation because it's almost like you're you're just kind of watching on the outside as it happens, which is great. Thanks. I, that's what I love about yours too, and it's it's really fun to be able to do this and. I, I mean, just new music. I, I had a, a lot of people release some songs last year that I got to be a part of. So hopefully that happens again this year. Um, I don't know. I wish I knew what exactly was next, but just music and things and shows and, you know. <laughs> All the things. So if people want to keep up with you, where do they go? Where do they find you? On the internets. Come find me. MeganBarker.com. Megan Barker Music on Instagram or Facebook. Whatever you got, I'm on it. And uh, shows. Show, show, shows, hopefully. Go, go do that right now. Well, Megan, thank you for chatting with me. This was awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was fun. That does it for this week's episode. It was edited and produced by Chris Vefalius. I'm Mike Myers. Thanks for listening.